Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. In just a few minutes, we're going to discuss the availability of hospice care services in our area. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. Please remember, please visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for information about events, activities, and news that you can use. Joining me on my show are two special guests, is Dr. April Patton and Dr. David Colvin, who are hospice care physicians with the Regional Hospice Care Group, located here in the Shreveport, Bossier City area and the surrounding areas, and they're coming on our show to discuss availability and explaining a little bit about hospice care services. So thank you, Dr. Patton, and thank you, Dr. Colvin, for joining us today. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. So what I want to emphasize to our listeners out there is healthcare has really changed. And and really it's it's changed to a positive state, but let's hope more and more people understand it. They need to take control of their own health care, right? Absolutely. And why is that? It's important to know what your options are. It's important to have transparent conversations regarding your health care so your goals of care can be carried out. So regional hospice helps in dispelling these fears for something that we all face, the end-of-life care? How, how is that done? You know, we all have a mortality that we face, and so death is not a topic that we really discuss very freely. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And so what we find within the healthcare community is often these conversations are delayed until the very end of life when we really want to have these conversations earlier to change the experience of what this final chapter looks like for individuals. Well, and, and that's a good for the individual, but also good for the family, right? Yes, definitely. It gives them a peace when they know that their loved one is at peace with whatever the journey is going to look like. And we take control back and take charge with these conversations to really take a walk through what this final chapter will look like and how do we make it filled with the most quality with the perspective of what the patient wants. So what what I hear a lot being a former home health care administrator and hospice administrator many years ago, I still feel and I still get that 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 feeling out in the in the land that is underutilized. Do you do you both your doctors say the same? Is is it underutilized? It's definitely underutilized, Gary, for a variety of reasons. And why? Yeah. One of the most common is just a simple misunderstanding of the appropriateness of hospice care. One of the favorite things I've heard is a Dr. Patton statement that hospice care is about prognosis, not diagnosis. Oh, okay. Okay, and so it's um, very important for families to have that discussion early on and not just one time. Uh, usually a hospice decision is an ongoing process, and the sooner you start it, the better in terms of making that decision. But it's about prognosis, what's best for the quality of the life of the loved one that you're looking after. Well, the, the people that I've been recommending that they consider for their family members, a, follow, a bunch of them said, my mother's not dying that my tending physician has not said that she's dying. But so how sometimes they want to utilize it, but their physician is not certifying that that person has six or months less, according to Medicare guidelines, whatever it is now. 
Yes, and it's a misconception of really the best time to refer to hospice. We know that hospice patients do better and have a better trajectory and a more peaceful decline the sooner they get to hospice. So quite often we see patients who are referred to hospice in their final stages, quite honestly, their final days of life. And that's really unfortunate because they have missed out on all the benefits that an earlier hospice referral has to offer, not only for the patient but for the family. Well, that, that's that's a, just remarkable. But one other aspect I think you, you need to emphasize to my listeners out there is that when somebody is um, determined by their attending physician, whoever, that he or she has supposedly six months left, it's not a demeaning effort on the physician or family members if the person lives one year, two years, or three years. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. There's some variability with individuals and how long they live. And physicians are not necessarily great at predicting one's life expectancy. We do the best we can based on the disease running its normal course. But a hospice hospice certification or recertification comes with the idea of a six-month life expectancy if the disease runs its normal course. And certainly there are variations within that time frame. And I know both of you doctors have seen this, um, have experienced it. I'm telling you, I've seen miracles happen. They, they do, and I, patients will surprise you. And I've seen, when I was a hospice administrator, this is so long ago, we had an individual lady that even the hospice medical director was so touched that this lady became remission from her cancer completely with no unknown, with no reason. No rationale, but she had she had visitation by lots of of uh, pastoral visits, and she prayed a lot. I'm, and the only thing the medical director and the might mean mystery it's a miracle. We, the family says she is supposed to be dead now. It's nine months, and they're taking her home. They're discharging her from hospice, and she goes. In, in addition, the follow up to the story, we, she lived she lived five more years. That's amazing. And we do see stories like that where patients exceed life expectancies or cancer is cured. And yeah, we so don't want to tell our listeners this has happened, but it, it does happen. So the physician is making a best professional judgment on this scenario, right, based upon clinical standards, et cetera, that the individual is going to possibly demise in six or less months, right? Correct. So... So who who makes the decision of getting hospice care? That's a, that's an interesting question. So by law, it is the patient's decision. Often there are times where patients are unable to make their those mm-hmm. decisions, and they will designate that. Hopefully, if they have had advanced care planning, to their power of attorney, so that there can be decisions made on their behalf based on their wishes. So who? So hopefully, the patient and family understand what hospice services are. So let's let's get into that so we can give a little brief education to the individuals out there that might qualify for this type of service. Yes, so hospice is a discipline of medicine that seeks to focus on quality of life, aggressive symptom management to provide comfort, psychosocial needs that the patient and family have as well as spiritual needs that the family and patient have. So explain to them in better detail, Dr. Patton, that you just don't drop everything that they're doing. 
right? No, not at all. We individualize their plan of care based on their goals. If they want to travel, we work aggressively to try to ensure they can continue to travel. We focus on making them as pain-free as we possibly can. We focus on very aggressive symptom management that in turn leads to improved quality of life. We address the psychosocial needs that the family and the patient have, whether those are financial. We also address estranged relationships if the family would like for us to be involved in those conversations to really have a comprehensive care plan that focuses on all the interdisciplinary needs of that patient. So I want you to emphasize about pain management. Uh, that's another misnomer out there of people thinking that if my mother goes on to hospice care that she will have to discharge all of her pain meds and she will be painful while she's doing hospice care. Yes, and that is absolutely untrue. Our goal is to provide the most exceptional pain relief that we can. And that's why it's also called palliative care, correct? Yes. So it, it makes... You want to be in, in a comfort zone. You don't want to be screaming and hollering while you're at home. Hospice, by the way, tell them, can be done at home in an institution. Or yes, a, it can be. Hospice care can be provided in whatever home setting that individual has, whether it's a facility, a skilled nursing facility, whether it is an assisted living facility or in the home of the patient or where the patient is currently residing. So let's say, let's say you have an individual that's thinking of it thinking about hospice, um, who should explain to the hospice services to the patient or family? Hospice. Hospice knows what they do. Hospice can explain it best. And so even if you are not necessarily sure that you are ready to enroll in hospice, the conversation regarding information should happen within the hospice company. So any hospice, that, you know, we hopefully they'll utilize regional hospice services, but you, know, you have experts there, admission nurses, admission people that can can dialogue with the family members to give them the, the the aspects of what how it will benefit them. Correct? Yes, they are ready and willing to explain their services and to answer any questions that the patient and family may have. And you know, sometimes you ask your physician. I'm not going to pick on other physicians, but uh, sometimes they may not be knowledgeable enough of what hospice care is. I know when y'all went to med school, they probably didn't have but one course in hospice services. Is that true? That is very true. I didn't have any hospice training, actually. Not at all? No. Are the, are the new no. medical doctors now? I should ask my son this. Do they get any now? I have no idea. Wow. That's sad. There's probably a discussion or a course, but not, not a full integrated discussion about hospice care in general. Okay. So to tell you I'm an old guy, you know that already. All right, Dr. Colvin, before I was a hospice administrator, I was a Medicare enforcer of Medicare rules and policies throughout the state of Louisiana. I don't know if you do that. So I had to lecture to physicians to be, and also physicians at LSU Med every quarter to tell them about medical ethics, but also complying with Medicare rules and regulations. And it was interesting that they all took diligent notes. They all asked great questions, but a lot of them, when they get out, they didn't follow what I told them to do. And it's sad. It's sad. You know, they, they probably were engulfed with so much. They said, Gary Kalikas is going to be up here for three hours giving us a dissertation on what to do and whatnot. So, you know, I'm sure it was one course 
how to comply with Medicare, and you know, it might be the same thing in the hospital. They took probably one few hours, and they didn't remember it. They didn't apply it as well. It's interesting that you bring up Medicare, <laughs> because as far as I'm concerned, hospice care is the most underutilized Medicare benefit available to seniors uh, that has so much promise uh, for them in terms of comfort for the patient themselves, for the family members and even for our society as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that the scenario, I don't have the, the stats, I'm sure it's available, but it, and many years ago when I looked up, I used to have friends at regional office in, in Dallas that would give me all this stuff, but I don't even ask for it anymore. It was, Louisiana was amongst the lowest of all the 50 states in utilization of hospital service, of all the states. It was sad. And it is incredibly underutilized, and, and it's I unfortunate. It's still, it's still underutilized, but they were they were saying with Gary, and that's when I went, and, you know, and got into the, the field of you know promoting it via my magazine and radio show, et cetera. That it was it, it it's sad that more and more people need to know about it. But again, I want to dispel some of these rumors out there that it makes. I I will tell my listeners out there. I think a lot of them know it. I have utilized hospice services for three of my family members, and it was the best experience that I know they experience, my mother especially, but my grandmother, my, my mother-in-law uh, uh, all utilized it, and it was wonderful for the family members. The bereavement afterwards was, like, remarkable. I mean, I'm an oldie son. It was so helpful. And, I mean, I should be able to take this. I've been there, done that, but being an only child, uh, it was, it was, I was, like, overwhelmed. And that was my close experience when my mother-in-law uh, and, and uh, other, you know, aunt, I had an aunt too. So I had four people that was involved. So I will advocate. It's, it was wonderful. And they provided tip not the care, the cure. It wasn't curative, but it, they had a very, uh, how, how would you describe it, restful, peaceful. Yeah, we call passing. it death with dignity. Yeah, and it really point. does provide peace and closure for those involved. And that's good. That 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 is really, really the positive thing. So again, if anybody out there feels that they have a loved one or a friend that could, might could utilize this services, we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But they need to contact a hospice, uh, and they will provide free evaluation for their for their yes, loved one. and they can answer the questions that someone who does not do hospice every day wouldn't necessarily have the answers to. And that's the, you know, need to need to request that. And then um, I will, you know, I will definitely mention the phone The phone number here is 524-1046. That's 318-524-1046. Call them. Uh, there's a free, op, uh, there's no charge for them to do an assessment. And, it, you know, it could be definitely a, a positive thing for the family, not just the, for the individual loved one, but the family. And that's what I'm telling me. It benefits the family, right? Yes, 100%. And just so you know, that is a Shreveport number, but we also have served the Homer, Cachata, Shreveport, and Minden areas. And those numbers I don't have right in front of me. They can call the 318-524-1046 number, and they can direct them to the correct location. That's great. You have wonderful coverage throughout those areas. We do. We try to serve the rural areas. And that's important. And I know a lot of rural people listening to this show. I, I hate to put them uh, shout-outs to them, but a lot of them do listen to me in the rural areas. I'm very proud and humble when I get these calls and emails from people. Love, I love your show, et cetera. So we're, we're here to educate people throughout our area and hopefully your catchment area. But do tell them you don't cover Texas, if I recall, right? No, not we do not cross the state line. Yeah, that, uh, that's uh, 
uh, another. So my Texas listeners, you just need to contact a local hospice in your particular area uh, to, to get those questions and answered. Joining me on my show today are two special guests, is Dr. April Patton and Dr. David Colvin, who are hospice care physicians with the Regional Hospice Care Group, serving the Shreveport, Bossier, Minden, what other areas? Cachada. Cachada and Homer. Homer. That's a great, great area. The surrounding areas, they cover the hospice care services within that areas. And let me give you their phone number, so if you have any questions, you can you can definitely call call them. Um is at 318-524-1046. Also, you can pick up a copy of the Best of Times magazine. They're on the back cover, as well as our Silver Pages. Uh, has all their information about their all their hospice locations, and they're, they're, you can definitely call any one of their numbers to get needed hospital services as well. So thank you, docs, for joining us today. We're trying to educate our public out there in both the urban areas and the rural areas about hospice care services. I think you're doing a, doing a great job. So tell them, uh, again, I, I think a lot of people feel that hospice is like home health. It's not. No, it's really an additional level of care, providing the psychosocial and spiritual support. Um, it also typically has increased nursing visits, CNAs. There are different um, regulations regarding uh, medical equipment, medications covered. It's really a very different. Uh, people often use the two interchangeably as though they're a similar service, and there are some really significant differences. Well, that's why I think a lot of physicians out there get confused that that his patient or her patient won't qualify. She's not homebound. How's she going to qualify for hospice service? So, so elaborate that again. You need to emphasize that. Yes, hospice does not require require a patient to be homebound. In fact, we encourage them to travel, we encourage them to live their life, and we help facilitate what they need to do that based on their goals. And you could say go fishing, like you promoted some fishing tournaments. Yes, we we, did. I love that. It's on the back cover of the Silver Pages and and also the Best of Time. Remarkable aspect. To me, they're all smiling faces. Got that experience just to do fishing again was like that was so cool yes hospice is about living and so many times people misunderstand and think it's about dying but our goal is to make it about living okay the other the other thing i had one individual tell me i'm i'm not under uh medicare gary they were asking me i said well Many health care plans cover hospice services, correct? Yes. There are increasing numbers now with a hospice benefit for and it, patients. And, it, and those who have, so another one, you know, sometimes they get uh, uh, seniors get all these plans. They're so confusing. Uh, Medicare Advantage plans offered in the area all have to offer yes. hospice services. So a lady said, well, my husband won't qualify. He has one of those Medicare C things. And I said, no, he, they have to have the same benefits we have in a regular, the original Medicare. Again, a lot of them think it's like condensed services when they're when they're in a Advantage plan. So it's all it's covered there. Now uh, they may have to go to a certain provider. I don't. Right? Is that true? Some of the Medicaid's have to be in network providers, but for the most of those policies, they do revert to a traditional Medicare hospice benefit, regardless of what Medicare plan they're on. Once they choose to elect that. Okay, that's good. I think we talked a little bit about if the patient lives longer, about what happens, but uh, as you said before. Yes, so the recertification is a six-month life expectancy from that point forward. So if a patient has lived beyond those six months because they've received exceptional care and they have 
slowed in their decline, that does not mean they no longer are recertifiable for hospice. Okay, the other the other question I think our people have, we talked about homebounds, not necessary. What happens if uh, the, the, fam- the loving family member uh, during hospice care uh, slips and falls and breaks an arm or leg? He has to be he or she has to be hospitalized. Does that does that disqualify them from hospice care? No, not at all. Hospice has multiple levels of care within hospice. One of those being respite care. And should something happen with a caregiver situation or caregiver burnout, there are respite stays that hospice will provide so that that individual can get the care that they need. Because hospice is available 24 hours a day for symptom management, but does not provide 24-hour care. And sometimes that's a misconception. However, there is continuous care for symptoms that cannot be managed in a home setting with the routine home care. And then there's also inpatient care should symptoms escalate to the point where they need actual um, hospital inpatient. Okay, so explain to our listeners about continued pain management in home or in the, the, the setting. I think that's the, that's the confusing point. They, they will get continued and probably possibly increased depending on coordinating with the, the attending physician. Yes, and like I said before, the care plan is individualized to that patient's goals. Some patients have a goal to be pain-free. That is always our goal. Some patients do not necessarily like medications that relieve pain because it makes them feel drowsy or for whatever side effects. And so they may be tolerant with a pain level of two to three. So the patient's goals become our goals and we manage them appropriately to try to reach those goals. And we are very diligent for aggressive pain management. Okay, so the another question I think that has, that comes from family members, if my mother or father has to be in hospice care and they're going to they're going to decide to come to my home will you educate me on how to take care of her in case i have to do any 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 other uh, pain management, give them certain pills at a certain time or give them injections or will the hospice nurse or the hospice staff come? Yes, we provide education and support with every visit. So if they're uncomfortable in doing injections? At any point you call hospice and the nurse will come out and do the teaching and education that the family needs as also whatever actions need to be taken to make that patient comfortable. So it, it's not a straightforward thing. It's not like home health. They have they're they're on their own unless it's really critical for them to be admitted. A lot of times the the, the RN won't go out for a different right. Routine. No, our goal is to be the lifeline. Awesome, uh, that's awesome. So um, the other aspect: what happens if somebody is getting? Will they continue to get chemo and blood transfusion and radiation while in hospice? always thought about that one. Yeah, they absolutely can if the chemotherapy or the radiation or the transfusions are palliative in nature. So again, we go back to that individualized care plan. We explore the goals. What is the intent of the chemotherapy? What is the intent of the radiation? And as long as those goals are palliative, then we have conversations of do those treatments continue to make sense? But receiving those treatments does not exclude someone from hospice. We just have to have conversations regarding goals of care and devise that care plan based on what they're wanting. So the the patient and family's physician still gets involved in the care plan? Yes, they run the care plans, the attending physician, with the assistance of the medical directors, however much involved that attending physician would like the medical directors to be. So what happens if the attending physician is unwilling or unable to continue while the hospice 
services. Then the hospice physician will oversee the care. And, and, and sometimes I'm sure other physicians that are treating thousands of patients would love to have the hospice physician <laughs> they do. Take, care of, take care of it. They appreciate for, the, the extra help. Because, because it's going to be difficult in case the, the family who has to contact the attending, right? Right, right. And so hospice has our own call so that, you know, often on a patient's their attending physician, when a family calls, it gets the on-call and that provider may not be familiar with that patient. And so by calling the hospice medical director, we are very familiar with the patients we have on service and can direct those orders very efficiently and effectively. Okay, the the other question I think that some family members say, do, do, do I have to have a family member with my loved one while the hospice is doing any kind of visits or any kind of therapy or any kind of uh, services at home? No, not necessarily. Our hope is that the individual is stays well enough, long enough to be able to live independently. Wow, okay, that's a, that's a positive sign. You know, I'm glad you said it that way. A lot of them think they're, they're on their lattice stages and they're not going to be moving around, they're not going to be going out and about fishing, et cetera, but it's, it's positive. Based upon that pain management, they could, they're going to be able to, to get out and about and, and experience like, and visit their grandchildren, and, and, and et cetera. And possibly before, they probably did not have that opportunity or thought they didn't have that opportunity. Right. So uh, I think one other aspect, I think people don't know, you, hospice has encompasses a lot of different services, a lot, a lot of, I think, I hate to say this, docs. Most of them think there's an RN, and that's it. I will no. tell you that. They they think that's it. Uh, they're going to send another RN, like their home health RN is going to come out there. The hospice RN is going to come out there one or two times a week. But it's but it's more than that, right? I think um, you said something very important in the first segment for your listeners in regards to healthcare where it is today versus 30 years ago, which is healthcare may be more progressive, but it's also become more fragmented. And anyone who's uh, out there listening who has um, thinking about hospice or has a loved one that they may be wanting to refer to hospice, hospice care, without a doubt, is the most comprehensive care program we have in place in healthcare right now, encompassing multiple services that are all working for the patient, communicating together. And I can't stress strongly how much that communication plays a role in helping the family and the patient over the course of their hospice um, journey. Dr. Patton can speak more to it, but we both participate in something called an interdisciplinary team approach and a meeting every week uh, that involves discussing patient care amongst different disciplines within the hospice. At Regional Hospice, it takes over an hour and a half to go through and discuss these various patient concerns and cares, and it's amazing how much health care can be coordinated and taken care of in that setting. It's unlike anything else in health care out there now. Wow, that's, that's a great statement. I, I do want to add, add something to that, and you, you needed to emphasize the, the point is it's, it's a one-stop shop, which I don't people don't understand. Well, Gary, if I get in hospice, will I have to arrange for the 
the bed and for the DME and et cetera for my mother and father. And I tell them, it's a one-stop shop. They're going to handle all this, Corey. That's what you just mentioned. They're going to be contacting the, the individual. Right yeah, and we are. We're going to be taking care of the medical equipment that's needed, whether it's the oxygen, whether it's the CPAP, whether it's the, the bed, whether it's the wound care supplies, medications related to terminal illness. And when you talk about hospice, you know, a lot of people believe that it's only the nurse. It is nurses, and it's nursing aides helping provide care and chaplains addressing the spiritual needs, social workers working with the families and the patient on psychosocial needs. Um, on an as-needed basis, there's physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and dietitians. So it really is a one-stop shop for all your needs for this particular chapter of your life. And emphasize to them, they don't have to go pick up um, mother or father or aunt or uncle's prescription at Walmart or, or CVS anymore, right? You will handle that. Right. We are taking care of that. We are getting the medication filled. It is getting delivered to the home. We are educating on how to use it. And if it's ineffective, we are changing the order to have that aggressive symptom management like we talked about. Okay. So the other misnomer out there, I had an individual a few months ago say, Gary, I'm thinking about using hospice services under my Medicare program, but I think it's going to cost me a lot of money. And I said, I don't think so. I don't think there's many bus costs involved. There's not a deductible. And they said, oh, it's got to be. It's got to be a deductible. And people say it's too good to be true. Why didn't I have this earlier? And it is covered by the Medicare hospice benefit. That's, That's one of the biggest regrets most families will express is that they waited too late to call hospice and realize after the fact that they could have benefited so much more had they considered it sooner. Excellent. And and they didn't have to, I mean, it's, it's great for the loved one, but it's also going to be, uh, tactfully said, less expensive on the family, in, in essence. It will be. And Significantly of, I less mean, expensive. I, I've known, and less taxing. I, I'm known of people getting their own hospital beds and buying them and renting them and buying all their apparatus, and I said... And your mother was not under hospice, and she died four months later? Yep, as you mentioned, too late. That's correct. But again, having that discussion doesn't cost anything. Regional hospice and our other hospice companies in this area are all happy to have that discussion in an ongoing fashion. Just because you have the discussion does not mean you have to commit that day. It's all about gaining information. And as Dr. Patton mentioned earlier, no one's better at explaining hospice than the hospice company itself because they can answer all of the questions. Yeah, and they've been there, done that. I, uh, I mean, they, I love their, they probably love their physician, love their mothers and fathers, but sometimes he or she's busy and doesn't know all the details and is might not, might not be abreast on the latest and greatest and what's happening. And, and some of them also have behind their minds which I, I know of a couple that I've dealt with, that it's like the least of their worries and concerns. So, you know, if you're going to want that, let me know later. You know, it's like well, a manana remember, project. Physicians go to medical school to heal people. Oh, and point. so it's difficult from a provider standpoint to have that conversation of you're not going to be healed or you're not going to be healed in the way you would like to be healed on this earth. Joining me on my show today are two special guests, Dr. April Patton and Dr. David Colvin, who are hospice care physicians with the Regional Hospice Care Group located in Shreveport, Bossier City, Homer, Cachata, and... Did you say Minden? Minden. Minden. 
Hey, could have talked about Minden. We have a lot of listeners in the Minden area. So, again, we thank, thank those people in the rural areas who are listening to our show. So we are discussing hospice care services, most underutilized but should be utilized services in our area. And so a, a few more questions that have been raised by uh, persons. What happens when the patient dies at home under hospice? So hopefully the staff is already in the home because we've been anticipating that death. But if not, hospice is a phone call away, and the hospice staff, typically it's the nurse, will come, make a visit, and will handle all the arrangements so that the family can grieve appropriately and doesn't have to deal with the details of the body, the funeral home, those sorts of details that no one wants to think about at this point. And that was remarkable. And and explain to them, the bereavement afterwards, I thought was remarkable. It really is incredible. Generally, when you're in other healthcare arenas, they stop immediately when somebody dies, discharged or cured, or it's just like, that's it. But they continued on for 13 months or so. Yes, hospice care will continue to provide 13 months of bereavement following a patient's death to the family at no cost to Medicare. Wow. And that, and that, to me, that is a, a positive, a very positive uh, role in, in dealing uh, with the family. Wonderful in, in dealing uh, with the family members that you can utilize can do that i I don't know i don't know of any other care services even even a nursing home i pick on my nursing home friends out there but they you know when a patient dies within a nursing home they don't do a lot of that bereavement afterwards yeah the hospice team is trained for end of life and what the family experiences after end of life from that loved one okay explain to i know dr carbon involves nursing home but people within Nursing homes can get hospice services, which is another thing that I've, uh, when my mother was in a nursing home, I would tell you more family members said, how did you get hospice services? Absolutely, Gary. In fact, I would say in the nursing home setting, hospice is extremely underutilized. Um, It's helpful because it's another set of eyes, uh, trained eyes that take care of the patient. It's uh, helpful in that there's additional social services, additional aids that come in, and it's um, a point of contention uh, in healthcare that just because they're in a nursing home, that's it, and they cannot receive any other services. And as you pointed out to your listeners, that's not true. And, and they're, they're concerned, well, my mother's already getting supposedly great care, but these are hospice care staff and individuals that know a little bit more than maybe the nurses and CNNs. They do, and they're comfortable with decline, and they're quick to educate the families on what they're seeing that a staff member at a facility may not necessarily recognize because they have a different perspective with which they're assessing the patient. And, you know, you mentioned the additional care in a nursing home. It's been quite significant with COVID with these facilitating these compassion care visits as families have been essentially isolated from their loved ones. Hospice has been an extra set of eyes, a phone call with every single visit, FaceTime visits, extended times with meals. I mean, we we recognize that this post-COVID social decline is real. And hospice has really had to step up to the challenge of facing that and assisting in the care and bridging the care gap that has existed over the past year. 
Well, I do want to also give my kudos and thank you to all your healthcare workers and yourselves on doing this COVID situation since last March. I really feel for you, and I thank you for all the wonderful things. I mean, it was a challenging situation, and you having to go in these settings and dealing with individual patients, that uh, it, it's, it was tough. And, I, again, I thank you profusely, and I hope all my listeners out there are very appreciative of that. But, I mean, that was a challenging time, even taking care with hospice patients. Yeah, it it was and it was sad and lonely and isolating and I'm so incredibly grateful to the hospice team for being there for these residents who were isolated from so many people that they cared about. So let's let's talk about this stat. Dr. Coburn wanted to comment about it. Statistics show that patients who receive hospice care live on an average two months longer than patients who do not receive hospice care. So how is that possible? Because of this whole team approach that hospice uses. You have highly trained nursing and uh, nursing assistant staff, social work, and let's not forget it's that comfort, that palliative care. If you feel more relaxed, your body is reacting in a different way. Stress kills. Okay. Uh, That works in many settings, including end of life. So the more stressed the patient is, and that's often with discomfort, whether it's breathing discomfort, pain, uh, from a variety of reasons, when you are able to alleviate that stress, you're helping the body, and that shows. It just shows in hospice patients. It's like getting a remodel on a cruise ship. The destination is the same, okay? The cruise ship is not changing course, but your adventure on that cruise gets improved because the ship itself has been remodeled. Good analogy. I like that. But the destination is the same. Yes. Okay, so hospice is about making that journey as high quality as possible, not just for the patient, but for the family and the loved ones as well. Wow. That's 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 a great point there. So, but again, I love the aspect of this this experience. For example, I'm I'm just thinking of a good idea, an item is they might have been on the wrong pain medication, right? And your your team might have evaluated what their patients currently on, and you might come up with something better to improve their pain care and make them less stressful and less. Yeah, you know, we have a model in hospice that. There's nothing else we can do is not an allowed statement because there is always something we can do in an effort to promote more comfort, a better pain regimen if it's pain, a better breathing mechanism if they are short of breath, whatever the case may be. And, you know, you mentioned the, Dr. Calvin mentioned the comprehensive approach, and often when a patient goes to a provider, they're looking at a specific organ system, whether they're seeing their cardiologist or whether they're seeing their pulmonologist, and it's the primary care who really takes this comprehensive approach to a full assessment of a patient, and hospice also does that. So with each nursing visit, we are working on a comprehensive approach to what the patient needs. So they may be on service for cardiac disease or heart disease, but that doesn't mean we're not addressing their wounds, their worsening of their eating, their weight loss. Those, the interdisciplinary group meeting that Dr. Colvin mentioned, we are discussing all of those aspects at those meetings and creating the care plan that solves all of those to the best we can in light of patient's comfort. And, and the pain medication may be affecting one thing, but the wound they're not taking care of. It's causing them more stress and more pain that's, that the pain medication is not right. helping, right? Right. It's head to toe, spiritual, psychosocial, emotional, mental, physical. 
it's the complete comprehensive approach, not only for the patient, but for so the family. So just like in home care, hospice care evaluates everything the patient, the, the, the family member, is on. So you your team looks at everything in, in, a, in a global setting yes. to determine if it's appropriate or not. And if in, in dealing with the attending physician, if the, if the patient's still being followed by him or her, but you come up with a better plan. We do. We, we look at the patient as a whole. Again, goals of care of what makes sense. We look at that medication list. And, and as patients progress in their disease, medication need changes. And quite often, they need less. And so we try to reduce that burden of polypharmacy while continuing those necessary medications that they need. My last question is, so hospice is hospice. So if I talk to one, will they all provide the safe services? There's certainly a federal requirement for services to be provided by for hospice. We personally think regional is one of the best in the area, and for a variety of reasons, is experience and comprehensive coverage. Compassion, visit frequency. There's Hospice just offers a tremendous benefit. And, and the networking of, of the hospice between the team is really critical. I mean, it and is. I will advocate that you have a remarkable team. And you're one of the few hospices that I'm aware of that has several physicians that are hospice care physicians. It is a definite plus. I mean, you were probably one of the first ones to hire you, Dr. Pat, to be a full-time hospice care physician for right. it, correct? Right, and that is my day-to-day. That's what I do all day is take care of hospice patients. Which is remarkable. And the others have them part-time, et cetera, that they may or may, or may not be utilized. So, again, thank you for being on the show to educate us and educate all our listeners out there about the need to get hospice services. Give them a call. Again, their number is a regional hospice group, 318 524 1046. You can pick up a copy of the Best of Times uh, publication uh, on the back side, as well as our silver pages list all their locations. Again, thank you for joining us today. You are both excellent. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Gary. Thank you again for listening to our show. Hope you'll join us next Saturday for another show that could benefit you and your loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your free copy of the Best of Times magazine at one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times.